This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. May we interrupt your real-time Twitter feed as I glance across the broadcast table here at Cards HQ, and I notice Danny Sarek and Darren Urban intently focused on the latest breaking news via (laughs) social media. Paul Calvisi, Pauly Podcast over here. Let me do this. Let me give you a quick analogy on, on how I think we can all relate to NFL free agency. Are you ready for this? And I might go down in flames, and it wouldn't be the first nor the last time. Here we go. Casa Galvisi in the backyard, uh, Paulie homeowner over there trying to show the 15-year-old how to fix a leak in the drip system in the backyard. Okay, so we dig up the rocks, we fix the leak. Okay, I fire it up again. Hey, you know what? Take a look around the yard. Let's make sure there's not another one. Look at that leak over there. So that's what the NFL free agency is. We just fixed a leak. But now we sprung a leak over there, and we got to address that leak. And then there's going to be another one when you walk around to the front yard. There's always a leak somewhere that you got to plug or fix. Are you going to upgrade it? Are you just going to throw a quick fix in there that gets you to next year? What exactly, how exactly are you going to address it? That's my analogy that maybe everyone might be able to relate to on some level when it comes to NFL free agency because I don't know about you two, I don't expect ever, and I never have been, and nor will I ever be in a war room making decisions about an NFL roster. I mean, I think that's fair. It's it's a little uh... – Or do you invest in a whole new backyard? No, no, I mean – So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's you know I, – No, I, I think – I think there's there's a lot to that about plugging holes. It's it's a little uh, pessimistic of an outlook with it, I think, uh, because I mean obviously it's always going to be fluid. There's always going to be holes. There's no there's no team in the league, uh, whether it's the Rams or the Buccaneers two years ago when they brought everybody back. There's no team that wouldn't mind upgrading somewhere. Uh, you know, just because the Buccaneers brought everybody back last year doesn't mean they absolutely loved every single person they had at every single spot. They just that's what how they did it. Um, and then all of a sudden, the Buccaneers have a Pro Bowl offensive lineman who just retires out of nowhere, right? Those kind of things yeah, happen. Yeah, okay, I mean, I get it. so it, it, there's always there's always holes. The question is, is the holes that you do have how how well can you patch them? Uh, what all is out there? And and the difference, of course, Paul, is that if you're going and fixing your backyard, um, you have a set cost, and it's not really expensive to patch up that hole. Whereas, right. everything you're you're doing out there in football is is definitely fluid in terms of how much they're costing and how much it might hurt you on the cap. 
I mean, there's always a budget, right? There's always a budget. It just depends if you want to go ahead and exceed that budget and then take money out of next year or maybe out of the kid's college account. It just depends how bad you want the brand-new backyard, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. And I I like to – let's say instead of leeks, maybe it's like flowers growing. Like, hey, Cardinals signed this player. That's a new patch of flowers growing. We'll be happy about it. Not not the leeks. A lot of of gardening going on. I mean, at some point the home renovation is done and you get to sit down and enjoy happy hour, right? So here we go. Let's name some names and some numbers. Where do you start, Danny? Because we do have news here as we get a start to at least the negotiating period of free agency 2022. And at any moment as we are recording this, we might get more news. But where do you start? Let's go with what happened over the weekend. Tight end Zach Ertz agreed to terms for a three-year contract. He only played 11 games last season after he was traded to the Cardinals, and he still tallied more than 500 receiving yards, three touchdowns, and tied the franchise single-season record for receptions by a tight end with 56. Definitely made an impact, and I, I like this move. And to me, I think what's great about this is it doesn't necessarily imply that they can't also sign Max Williams at tight end. That's what I see this as. I don't see this necessarily as either or. So I like this move by bringing back Zach Ertz, who made it clear he liked his time here and wanted to come back here. According to NFL Network, three years, uh, $31.6 million in total value, $17.5 million guaranteed on Zach Ertz. And, and I agree with you. A, Kyler needs targets. He needs weapons. Zach Ertz, one of the better receiving tight ends in the NFL, period. He's Stanford smart. He's Philly tough. We've heard both Cliff and Kyler talk about his ability to find openings in zones. Just So to me, you give Kyler and Zach Ertz an offseason, you give them a full training camp where they get that chemistry instead of him arriving midseason and trying to learn the offense and then generate some sort of connection with a quarterback. For, the, for him to put up the, the numbers you just cited and do it in 11 games, now give him the offseason – I mean, at 31 years of age, a guy who we knew going into the offseason, I think it was pretty apparent, and the word was he definitely wanted to stay. So, Darren, when this news came down over the weekend, I don't think any of us were really surprised, right? No, I mean, I, I think I think when you start looking at, again, the guys that they wanted to retain and the guys that they kind of implied that they wanted to retain uh, over some other free agents, like, I mean, obviously Chandler Jones is an important uh, guy, but I, I think as we move towards free agency, and and you know we don't we don't know what's going to happen after we post this, and you know before free agency starts. But as of right now, the Chandler Jones thing, I haven't seen anything on him. I I don't expect Chandler Jones to be here. I think I've said that before. Uh, that doesn't change anything for me after what he said the other day. But when it comes to guys that you did want to keep, you. I think they wanted to keep Ertz. I think they wanted to keep James Conner, who obviously is staying on a three-year deal. And I think that making sure that you keep the guys that you have targeted to keep is is a good idea. And we'll see about the numbers and and whether those are those pay off. But you know, when you talk about two key pieces of the offense, James Conner, Zach Ertz, I, I think there's a very good chance Max Williams sticks around at this point. Uh, and if that's true, and 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 he's healthy with Zach Ertz. That's a pretty nice combo at tight end if, if that ends up happening. So um, we'll, we'll see where, where, where the, all this goes. But uh, I think at this point, um, I, I think at this point it's, it's a nice start to this, this soft opening of free agency as it were. 
And, and before we got to that point, the Cardinals created cap room, right? Jordan Hicks cut. That's about $6.5 million reportedly in cap room, $3 million dead money. Uh, yeah, Justin Pugh taking a pay cut per multiple reports. He's now set to make a guaranteed salary of $5.5 million, another $1.5 available in incentives on Justin Pugh. Devon Kennard right, took a pay cut and redid his deal. I think that saved between 6 and $7 million reportedly on Devon Kennard. So there – there were some savings, but then there were the expenditures. Not just Zach Ertz, but then James Conner, Danny, gets uh, what is being called a three-year $21 million deal that could grow to a max of 25 dollars $13.5 fully guaranteed for the Cardinals Pro Bowl running back. Another great sign for a player who was in his first year with the Cardinals last season and also made it clear he enjoyed his time here and wanted to be back. He led the team with 18 touchdowns, 15 of those rushing, and not only that, but the mentality, the bully ball that he played with. He was that bulldozer for this team, and he proved that he could handle that workload as the number one running back when Chase Edmonds was hurt. He showed his ability to still be a catching running back and running those routes and being reliable for Kyler Murray. And I think that this is a huge signing. I, like many people, didn't think it was very realistic to bring back both James Conner and Chase Edmonds, and Chase Edmonds reportedly has agreed to terms with the Miami Dolphins. So it's James Conner, and then you start looking down the depth chart, and you've still got Jonathan Ward, you've got Eno Benjamin, but it's going to be the James Conner show. Yeah, you would think so. I, I, I do think Eno will have a little bit bigger of a role. Um, and, and who knows what else they do in terms of adding to that position. Uh, it would have been nice to bring him back, but um, – I'll be honest, James Conner ended up getting a little bit bigger of a, a deal that I thought than I thought he would get money-wise. And when you combine that to with what Chase uh, Edmonds is reportedly getting for Miami, uh, which is $6 million a year, uh, up to $6 million a year, I, I think that's that's where, it gets, uh, that's where it gets tough when you start talking about running backs. So if we're talking about the guaranteed money, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, am I out of line if I say if it's either or, I'd rather have James Conner at 13 and a half guaranteed than Chase Edmonds at 6 million guaranteed. That's just me. I just think we've seen enough where instances where Chase Edmonds as the primary, as the every down back was okay. James Conner as an every down back is a difference maker, is a legitimate pro bowler. He's only a year older than Chase Edmonds, James Conner. So for my money, I'd rather have James Conner with the size, the mentality you cite, Danny, the pass-catching ability, which even Cliff Kingsbury said surprised the heck out of him. How many times did he cite that during the course of the year? You know what? James Conner exceeded our expectations. He had a couple of those one-handed grabs, one of which you saw the head coach screaming down the sideline in Chicago to give him a chest bump. I mean, it's just he was just – you can't tell me that in the war room, that one of the biggest advocates to bring back James Conner wasn't the head coach and the play caller, Cliff Kingsbury. But getting back to what I said earlier, I, I would rather have James Conner at 13.5 guaranteed than Chase Edmonds at $6 million guaranteed. And Darren, I, I, this is very reasonable. I know that you are very um, hesitant when looking at running backs maybe getting more deals because they typically do get injured throughout the year, right? They're taking a major beating. But something else about James Conner is his toughness and his grit. 
And we learned later on after the season that in that playoff game when his ribs were so hurt, he didn't even want to take the shot because he wanted to truly be like in control and feel all of that and just the toughness he's willing to play through. Oh, I, again, I, you're not wrong. I, I, and I, I'm happy they have James Conner back. But, but again, why did he not have to – why why was a shot even a thing is because he was hurt. Right. And, and that's – that. unfortunately, that's been the issue. That, that was part of the issue with Chase Edmonds is – these guys get beat up, and it, it it's it's nothing against them. I, right. I think James Conner is one of the toughest people I've. I mean, the, the dude beat cancer for God's sake. So ding, I'm I'm never gonna sit here and say he he is super tough, but you know, toughness only gets you so far. Uh, I think JJ Watt's super tough, but if he's if he ends up getting hurt, it doesn't help. So I mean, again, I think you got to have a stable of running backs. I'll be interested to see who replaces chase edmonds on the roster uh or if, if it if it is at this point if, if they go with jalen samuels who's uh, a guy that they signed to a futures deal who's played in this league uh you know do you go you know connor and eno with jonathan ward and jalen samuels as your your kind of reserve guys that that makes some sense to me um or if you get somebody later in the draft I, again i'm happy they got james connor back uh i, I am i you still have to figure out how they're going to juggle the, the money part of all of this because they, you know, bringing back Connor and Ertz is great, but it doesn't, it certainly doesn't round out the roster at this point. It's two, it's two great players for Kyler Murray to work with, but still that big hole is, is a number two wide receiver. That, that to me is the next step on this offense. Yeah. I would think offense, if we're talking about offense, absolutely number to receiver and and again if Chandler Jones isn't back you know I I still would put edge rusher about three levels above number two wide receiver I agree I agree it's about having a quarterback and getting to the quarterback and we remember the days before Chandler Jones what were we always talking about this time of year the Arizona Cardinals need a pass rusher the other team's offensive coordinator has to game plan for remember those days remember before Chandler Jones before they made the trade with the Patriots where let's face it I mean the Patriots got fleeced in that one considering the production Chandler Jones has put up ever since what's interesting is that podcast that he did and he mentioned how he was used at times and or misused in the words of Chandler Jones. You know what I thought of first before any implications or applications of the Arizona Cardinals? And we can debate that. I thought of the New England Patriots because he was talking about his career. Yeah, that's true. And if you guys remember, before he was traded to the Cardinals, he was used inside quite a bit. They'd move him down to a five technique. They'd move him down to a three technique. There were times where in crazy Bill Belichick defensive fronts, he was over the nose. Of course, he was heavier back then. He, he was playing around 280-something, if you remember. And then when he came to the Cardinals, he was exclusively an edge rusher and and would be asked to drop into coverage. His weight would fluctuate anywhere from the 260s to the 270s, depending on. There were even times he was in the high 250s. Uh, so, But in terms of Chandler Jones and, 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 and those comments, Darren, what did you read into those when you heard that podcast, or at least the quotes from the podcast? Well, I mean – I think the first thing I thought of was that he sounds like somebody who's probably going to go elsewhere. That was the first thing I thought of. I mean, he says it's not about the money. I I, ex- I believe that to a certain extent. Um, but, I mean, not about the money. When you say it's not about the money to me, then you're literally willing to play for a pretty cheap deal. 
And I, I don't believe that. And if that was the case, a deal would already be done with the Arizona Cardinals. You would Cardinals. think so. Unless, again, his other issues with the scheme. I mean, you talk about the Patriots, which I agree. And he was <clears throat> fairly miserable the year that Steve Wilkes was here because they were using a 4-3, and he was asked to gain weight and play like a legit D-end. Yep. Uh, I don't think that's his first choice. But I also don't think his first choice is to ever drop into coverage, which once in a while Vance Joseph does ask his outside linebackers to do to change some things up. I don't think he's super comfortable with that. I think he would prefer to rush the passer all the time. It is interesting because of the, like I said, the thing with a 4-3 defense. He talked about maximizing him and stuff. I don't, uh, to me, that rules out any team that's playing a 4-3. That, you know, unless you're going to use him as like a stand-up edge rusher, uh, I don't, and and have like a 3-4 lineman, I don't see him going to a team that, goes 4-3, where if he's out there on early downs, he's got his hand in the ground and he's trying to funnel somebody inside. I that I don't know if that's really where he would be most comfortable, but, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Like I said, at this point, I don't see him coming back, but until I see a report that says he's going elsewhere, you know, we'll see. I, I think I, – I, I think – some teams are in play. Like I, I, th- I could see Denver making a run at them if Von Miller stays in, in the Rams, and if the Von Miller somehow goes back to the uh, Broncos, then I, I see the Rams in play, perhaps, which would be kind of disappointing. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, just like in the the end of last season, no Lambo was our hashtag. No LA Rams for Chandler Jones. Please, please, please do not. Let that happen. It's at least it, lo- it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson's going to Seattle, so you can feel better about that. <laughs> That's right. And Tom Brady's not no. going to San Francisco. You know oh, what? I actually felt goodness. a little bad for Paul in that because on Why? Friday, no, on Friday when Paul and I were talking upstairs at our desks because we sit in the same office, I had said to Paul, I was like, you know, he's been saying for probably almost two months at this point, like he felt Tom Brady was going to San Francisco, and I said to Paul, I said, if that happens. I'll speak for Darren, and we will treat you to a steak dinner because you called that from a while ago. I know, Darren. Right. I can see your face, but we, yeah. we would have done that. Yeah. However, oh, we Tom, would have. Huh? Yes, we yeah. would have. And so then when Tom Brady announced he was coming out of retirement after 40 days when he said he wanted to spend time with family, and I guess that was enough time, he's come out of retirement, signing back or going back to the Bucks, and I kind of felt bad. I was like, man, would have been really exciting for Paul if he had been right from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I should have dropped it because it ended up all over pro football talk and it looked like I was ripping it off from Mike Florio, which I most definitely was not, but it was a two-fold thing there. One, I was not convinced he was done. Two, you can't tell me that he still didn't try and engineer some sort of move to the 49ers. Now, just because it didn't work doesn't mean that's not what he didn't want. If you go back to two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, and he said that infamous quote about, okay, uh, they're sticking with that bleeping guy. You can't tell me that wasn't the 49ers and Jimmy G at the time when he was referencing a certain team and a certain quarterback. So he's coming back. Um, even though there's been some cryptic, and I don't buy these, that somehow he's going to go from Tampa to the Niners over the course of the rest of this offseason. I'm not buying that. At all. He's going to – and that means he's going to be coming to town, right, because Tampa is on the Cardinals' home schedule. Correct. Yep, so there you go. All the fans out there, the Red Sea, you're going to see – Get your tickets now. Tommy, you're going to see him out there for the Buccaneers. So, okay, Uh, there is that. Uh, How about uh, getting back, though, to the quarterback and getting to the quarterback? Yeah. What's concerning here, potentially, is who exactly is going to hit the market in terms of an edge rusher? If the Cardinals – if it's all about needs and wants – 
and you're in need of an edge rusher, then who exactly is going to be available? Harold Landry, since we did the last Cardinals Underground, signed the line that has dotted a big extension to stay with his team, the Tennessee Titans. Emmanuel Ogba, we had cited him multiple times over the course of the offseason so far. He just inked a big deal to stay with the Miami Dolphins, at least agreed to one. You know, there are guys who we thought might be available, and they're never going to hit the market. So where does that leave the Cardinals potentially? Does that leave them going into the draft in late April with a serious need? Not a want, but a need at number 23 at an edge rusher. And then does that become them showing their hand going into the draft? And they risk teams trading in front of them if indeed there is a legit pass rusher on the board come 23. Does it have to be either or? Depending on who you get in free agency, the amount of edge rushers that are expected to be in the top of this upcoming draft class, being at 23, it's a big difference being 23rd in the first round to being 23rd in the second round. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that just because you get a veteran pass rusher in free agency, that means you're not going to take a pass rusher at 23 and develop a young player for years to come. I, I, it would depend on who the pass rusher is. Um, but I would tend to agree that, that everything is on the table. Um, Zadar Smith just got released by the Packers, so there's a pass rusher that was not on the uh, was not on the board, and now he is. Now he's going to be super expensive. Somebody, a fan, suggested to me Uchenna uh, Nwosu of the Chargers, uh, a former US, a former uh, USC player, was a second round pick, um, who has shown some things and now he's in free agency and that would be a little bit of a roll of the dice to see, okay, can this guy take the next step? You know, again, I don't know kind of where they're going. I think there's a handful of guys. Hassan Reddick obviously is going to be a free agent. Um, You know, you're, you're not, I, I don't see anybody out there that you're signing that is going to be Chandler Jones of 2017. Correct. Yep. You know, and that includes, especially with the money Jones of, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the money is going to play a part of it. And yeah, even if that guy was out there, I don't even know if the Cardinals could afford him. So that's a good point. Um, but I, I don't think anything's off the board. And even if they don't take a pass rusher in the first round, they might take one in the second round and, and kind of go that direction. Now, could they get a veteran on a one or two year deal? A Melvin Ingram, a Jerry Hughes, guys in the early 30s, sure. A Randy Gregory, obviously, would be a roll of the dice. Danny, you know him very well from your Dallas Cowboy days, but he had knee surgery after the season, Randy Gregory, and we know what a risk he's been just off you the field. You know Randy Gregory. What, 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 you know, what do we need to know about Randy Gregory? I like Randy Gregory as a person. I like him as a player. It's no secret he had struggled in the past to get through a full season and dealing with suspensions. However, I will say that there, there's a lot of times people see, oh, he's been suspended all this and all that, and you kind of make assumptions about who they are as a person. And I feel like any of those negative assumptions are not who I have known Randy Gregory to be in my interactions with him when I was with the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's a really nice guy and he's a hard worker. It's just something you have to take into consideration. Now, he played, he had a great season for the Cowboys. And he made it through the whole season. So now that was his first full off season last Mm. year going into that. So it's a lot to 
think about and consider, but I like Randy Gregory, and I think he had a great season as well. Here's a story from the sideline. I don't know what year it was. Maybe you do, Danny, but when he first came back, remember he was a draft pick of the Cowboys, and then he got banished from the league and or suspended, whatever the circumstances were, so he was gone for a pretty long period of time. It was a matter of years, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Two, three years? And so he comes back. He's making his debut. It's Cardinals-Cowboys in the preseason, and the ones were playing a series or two. And I vividly remember him giving D.J. Humphreys all he could handle at left tackle. And D.J. coming back to the bench and, like, shaking his head like, dang, you know, not the way to start my preseason, not the way to start my campaign because he, he was struggling with Randy Gregory who came out with something to prove. And, and all eyes were – I mean, it was a meaningless preseason game. Really, the only storyline was Randy Gregory for either side. What is this guy all about? What does he still have? And – yeah, I don't know how the rest of his Cowboys career has gone the last couple of years, but there's a guy that if the price tag isn't too, you know, if that's like an incentive-laden contract, I could see that, someone like that coming in. Because right now, help me out here, guys, you have Marcus Golden. Yep. You have Devon Kennard. Yep. You have Dennis Gardeck. He's a free agent. Free agent, that's right. So you really have two people in that position room right now, two players. So well, it's yeah. not a want. It's a need. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I, I, I'd have to look exactly of, of where the the rest of the uh, roster is right now. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that they have. In fact, give me one second. And, and actually, no, there isn't any. Oh, Victor DiMichese is gotcha. the other outside Six-round pick out of Duke last year. And he is uh, he is under contract. But, yeah, Gardick's a free agent. Uh, and, and that's another reason why they it was important for them to keep Devon Kennard is because you don't know what's going to happen with Dennis Gardick or Chandler Jones at this point. Yeah. All right, back to receiver Christian Kirk. Uh, it's sort of been conspicuous by his absence in terms of our mention. We have not mentioned Christian Kirk. What is out there right now? Has it, I have not seen anything. Well, our old pal Kyle Odegaard tweeted that the Jaguars are pushing hard for him. And I, I'll be honest, <clears throat> when this started – and. Christian, if you ever hear this, this is no reflection on you. But I, I know early on uh, there was a lot of people saying he was going to get 10 to $12 million a year, and that seemed a pretty nice chunk of change for Christian Kirk, probably higher than this team wanted. There was then, one report that had him 12 to 15 Well, now, then I saw 15, and, and it's possible if he's got enough of a market, maybe it's even higher than that. Wow. Obviously, they're not going wow. $15 million a year here. I don't think they're going to resign him i'm guessing he probably ends up somewhere else although you know at this early point we haven't seen anything locked down and you know christian is a guy that is from here he's always loved being here he's one guy who i would say there's an outside chance that he would take a little less money to, to sign with the cardinals than to go somewhere else now a little less money is different than a lot less money. And that's kind of where Calais Campbell was a few years ago. Calais was willing to take a little less money, and it just got to be too much of a difference. Uh, and I think ultimately uh, Christian Kirk is going to get money whipped, and, th and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is his – again, in the NFL, for most players, it's the second contract that is where you get your money. You, you're never promised a third contract, and even if you are, you're going to probably be on the downside of your career. The rookie contract is what it is. So this is, this is where Chase Edmonds makes his money. This is where Christian Kirk makes his money, and you, you can't begrudge these guys. And if somebody's willing to pay Christian Kirk $15 million a year and 30 guaranteed, and it's not the Cardinals, you, you better go take that. 
And I think, too, on that, taking the money, we've seen enough players get hurt, and we've seen enough players in contract years and all that, absolutely. And it's still just the way we say it's a business for the front office. It's still a business for the players. And as much as I like Christian Kirk and I liked him being here, I think this team, too, really needs that number two wide receiver in a way that we just didn't really see last season when DeAndre Hopkins went down. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with A.J. Green. I at least haven't really seen many reports online of garnering any interest there, so I'm not sure where he lands. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything on A.J. Green. I don't I don't see him coming back unless it was a situation where uh, he's probably playing for less than the $6 million that he got last year. I don't know that for a fact, but that, that would be my guess. And, you know, A.J. Green's also – I mean, I haven't seen anything about him saying he was – done but he's also to the point in his career where who knows maybe he's who knows if he wants to keep playing I don't know these things um I would think the Cardinals would want to upgrade at that spot and so if you if you don't have green and then you don't have Kirk now Rondale Moore I would think slides into Kirk's spot uh so then you still need that number two outside guy and then you're going to need some depth at some point uh whether that's signing somebody I saw your guy, Michael Gallup, staying with the Cowboys. Wow, big money. I did, yeah. Big, big money. Five years coming off that ACL injury. I mean, they they really liked him. 60 million plus. And Amari Cooper, Cleveland Browns. So Michael Gallup's there. Yeah, Jarvis Landry's out there. Although I don't know. I guess technically Michael Gallup's their number one receiver right now, and you just hope that becomes CeeDee Lamb. Oh, I I would disagree with you. CeeDee Lamb's number one wide receiver. I mean – you can't say Michael Gallup coming off an ACL is your number one. I would say he's your number two. And CeeDee Lamb, who I drafted in the first round and is going into his third year? Yes. Third year. Yeah, he's my number one. He better play like my number one. I would, If I'm the Cowboys, I'm absolutely saying, CeeDee, you're my number one guy, so you better. I mean, he wears that number 88, so yeah, well. let's, see him, let's see him play number one like 88. All right, here's a tweet I don't need. Speaking of Jarvis Landry, because we, we talked about Jarvis Landry here on Cardinals Underground this offseason, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. I just ran his name through Twitter. Ian Rappaport, the Bills and Chiefs are two teams to watch on Jarvis Landry now that he has gotten his release from the Browns, which apparently he requested after they allowed him uh, the ability to Why seek a trade. Why does that bother you? Uh, they're, well, they're not and, in the conference, at least. No, and, that, and then here's the Packers are also expected to be in the mix for Jarvis Landry, according to a source. That's from Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network. So you have three premier teams who are bidding for the services of Jarvis Landry. So Well, I mean – not what the, I wanted the, to the see. The Packers aren't 100 percent sure they're going to have Devonte Adams on the field. So, <laughs> right, true. he said he's not going to play. Yeah, play the on the t- yeah. So they've got till what is that? June, July. And look, you guys, in terms right? of in terms you of get a, a deal, essentially, you can get a deal. Yeah, you have until I think early July. But uh, yeah. Christian Kirk, if he departs, uh, not a shocker. Just based on the Rondale Moore draft pick. If you want to get a sense of where a GM is thinking then you just go one year ahead of a potential move, right? Where they target in a draft because they know what's coming. Once upon a time, Calais Campbell to use as an example, which you brought up the year that Calais Campbell was going to be leaving, they drafted Robert Kimdichie. Didn't work out, obviously. He had one game and one game only where he actually looked like an NFL player against the Chargers, and in that game he looked like a poor man, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, but we're not going to talk about the Deech whatsoever at this point. Look. You knew when they took Rondale Moore to a certain degree, they were preparing for the departure of a Christian Kirk. Here's 
here's the loss of Christian Kirk if he does indeed end up with another team. To me, he was the one guy who had true chemistry with Kyler Murray. And whether it was because they went back to their Texas A&M days, they had all the chemistry that Kyler and A.J. Green did not. And and, and that's that's what's tough in losing Christian Kirk to me. Does Rondell Moore have better speed? Is he potentially a guy who could get more separation than a Christian Kirk? Absolutely. But Kirk had that chemistry with Kyler. That, And to me, and thanks for asking, my big thing, my big advice from Calvisi Consulting for this Cardinals offense in the offseason is the passing game and getting that chemistry between Kyler and the receivers. Think about it. The Rams won a Super Bowl. They were trailing late in the fourth quarter, and they mounted a drive with Cooper Cup and basically Cooper Cup only. Did they not? And it was Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. Four for four on that drive. Cooper Cup was getting double and triple teamed. He still got open. And then afterwards we learned that, oh, there were a lot of mornings at 6 a.m. where Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup would go out and work on their own. I can only hope that a Kyler Murray, especially if he's going to be the long-term franchise quarterback for the next five years at big money, finds the ability to connect with a DeAndre Hopkins and a Rondell Moore and whoever else is going to fill out the rest of that receiver room. And they get a lot of those same reps in together in the offseason. That would be one thing that if you're looking to steal and it's a copycat league from another team, if you're saying, okay, what are the best practices that the Rams use to secure the Lombardi Trophy? I would look at that and try and emulate that this offseason as I get away from free agency and just get off on a run. You're just talking about emulating the chemistry? Just just trying to trying to generate that chemistry, trying to trying to implement whatever the Rams did between Stafford and Cooper Cup to find that chemistry. Do everything you can to achieve that and generate that in this Cardinals passing offense. And to me, that's what you lose in Christian Kirk because that was the number one connection in terms just to, of chemistry. I mean, how many times was Kyler in trouble and he threw off his back foot and just happened to find Christian Kirk, right? Whether it was a Willie Mays over-the-shoulder catch in the end zone, just different ways. He was that safety valve at critical times, and, and, and that to me is going to be the toughest thing to replace when I think of the departure of a Christian Kirk. Yeah, and that's always hard. That just comes – I think with time and, and practice. And I think, too, there's other getting Zach Ertz had great chemistry with yep. Kyler Murray in True. the 11 games he was here. He had great chemistry with DeAndre Hopkins. And that also is probably just because D-Hop is D-Hop. <laughs> and any right. contested throw is his. Uh, but you're right. I, I think that the chemistry was probably the strongest with Christian Kirk, especially when it was him, A.J. Green, and Ronda Moore. And that's just something that's going to have to get worked on in the offseason. I mean, think about it. If Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup a third-round pick who ran like a 4-6-something 40. If those two can be unstoppable as a duo, what about Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins? I like that point. There's no reason that Kyler to D-Hop shouldn't be unstoppable in the NFL. Who cares if he's getting double-teamed? Who cares if he's there's safety help over the top? That combo with the right chemistry should be an unstoppable force in the NFL, just like the Rams forged with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. I guess that's my point, that I, I think the potential is there to have that sort of chemistry between well, those two. They, they made a run at it a couple of years ago when DeAndre Hopkins set the franchise record for catches. I mean, True. it's not yeah. like – now, did it tail near the end of the year? Yeah, uh, it did. Um, but if DeAndre Hopkins stays healthy, you, you feel good about 
the ability there. Um, and, and again, that's why I keep thinking back to when we talked about the number two receiver when we talked about it previously. And, you know, Paul, you were kind of laying out the, the laundry list of what you would want in that guy. And the problem is, is what you're the, the laundry list of what anybody wants in that guy is basically like DeAndre Hopkins light. Like we want a guy that's that good right. that could be DeAndre Hopkins if DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt. And that's just that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing to find. I mean, you you might hit pay dirt on a on a rookie receiver. You might end up with, uh, you know, a Justin Jefferson in the draft, and then he ends up being the superstar. Um, but the reality is, is you're you're going to have to do it as a village, and that's why you make sure you bring back Zach Ertz, and that's why you make sure that James Conner can catch the ball out of the backfield. But yeah, you're you're going to need somebody. I mean, again. You can't just let A.J. Green and Christian Kirk potentially walk out the door and not have kind of a replacement thought process. All right, so the position we haven't talked about, cornerback. What sort of – is that a need or is that a want? Danny Sarek, what is it? Cornerback, potentially number one cornerback if you want to spend some big-time money. They are out there to be had. So what sort of urgency do you think the Cardinals should have at that position? That's a need. That's a top three need for me. I think my top three are pass rusher, number two wide receiver, and a cornerback. Especially Cliff Kingsbury said it at the Combine. They want to move Byron Murphy around a little more. Marco Wilson is only going into his second year, so it makes sense to want to have a veteran starting cornerback out there. And there's a lot of – you touched on Cooper Cup. I mean, there's a lot of good receivers, not only in this division, in the league they're going to be facing. That, to me, is a top need for this team. like to the point of J.C. Jackson money? No. Wolf, we're on the Big Red Rage, and, and, and Wolf was all over J.C. Jackson. I'm like, Wolf, he wants Jalen Ramsey money. I, I, Give I someone Wolf, your car keys right now before you drive home from the Big Red Rage. J.C. Jackson is not happening. No, he's not. And I wish sometimes Wolf would take those things into account. <laughs> uh, do I think cornerback is an important thing? Yes. Do I – is it realistic they could find a number one corner? See, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, to me, uh, if if do could they use one? Yes. In a perfect world, uh, would it be better if Byron Murphy wasn't your number one? Probably. Do I think the odds are strong that Byron Murphy is going to be your number one? Yeah. And you drafted him number two, and he's young, and up and coming, and at some point he's going to get a a contract extension. That's kind of what you're putting on him. Now, maybe you're able to find somebody in the draft that can become a number one at some point, which is not easy to do, and it's certainly not easy to do at number 23. Um, they, they need a body. I think they absolutely need to ha- add a veteran. Uh, but whether that's somebody who I would say is better than Byron Murphy so that he would take over number one, I don't, I don't know about that. And so and, – and, when we start talking about priorities, edge rusher, yes. Number two receiver, yes. I think a, a cornerback is up there, but, like, is that more important at this point than a right guard? You know, especially with some of the revolving door situations they had. And, um, you know, Justin Pugh is going to be back. DJ Humphrey's is going to be your left tackle. Justin Pugh is going to be your left guard. Rodney Hudson's going to be your center. And you've got your right tackle, whether it's Kelvin Beecham uh, or Josh Jones is able to finally take a step forward, but you need a right guard. And I, you know, I, I don't know if I want Justin Murray, who was steady when he played, but when you talk about an offensive lineman and a back injury, that makes me super leery. 
Uh, so I, I think they need somebody there. And and if I had to, if you pin me down right now, I would put cornerback behind right guard. Not by much. Really? Wow. But okay. I, I, I would just because I think this offense is so important. Now, again, if we're ranking these things, I have pass rusher, drop, drop, <laughs> drop, number two receiver, and then right guard and cornerback somewhere there. But, again, to me, edge rusher, if there's no Chandler Jones, is so high up that I it's tough for me to even get past that when we start talking about the rest of the roster. That, that's not a leak in your backyard if Chandler Jones no. doesn't sign. That, that's a sinkhole, Paul. That's a sinkhole, baby. Yeah, yeah that, it's, that's calling the contractor out. Not the handyman. I'm calling out a contractor at that point. You, you're absolutely right. I guess I think a right guard, not that I don't consider it a need, I think a right guard is a spot you can fill later in free agency where a veteran guard gets released because of cap implications and you can sign a you know I, I get that so and I don't really have a big problem with that and I, I just ran corner like right through our real time uh, you know check right now I mean, while, and, while I was talking yeah monologue. I ran just corner through and for example like and I forgot about this the Niners could be a secondary away from a Super Bowl title, honestly. I mean, look at Joukowsky Tart just dropping that stinking interception against the Rams right in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game. Now he's a safety. They're really hurt in a corner. So most of the reports say the Niners, for example, are going to be ultra-aggressive in free agency going after a top-flight corner. So if it isn't J.C. Jackson, it could be a Stephon Gilmore. Somebody's going to get overpaid. So to Darren's point, it's probably not realistic the Cardinals find a legit number one corner, someone better than well, than a Byron the, Murphy. The top cornerbacks always get overpaid, and and, and, and overpaid is a, is a relative term, you know. And Something the, else to consider. I mean, the Chargers were doing this with Justin Herbert. You're talking about teams, assuming you know the 49ers are going to move on from Jimmy G, and you have Trey Lance. These are teams with rookies at the beginning of their rookie contracts. Yep. Cardinals have a quarterback in Kyler Murray who is wanting a a contract extension. And that has implications with the cap. And so your 49ers, the Chargers, those types of teams have the ability to go all in on these veterans and give them more money because you're not having to worry about paying your quarterback in the near future. That's true. Is this probably the last year you expect the Cardinals to have the ability to spend with a quarterback on a rookie contract? Let's say, let's just say he gets the mega mondo extension at some point this offseason, Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. Does that really start restricting their spending effective next year? No, not necessarily. Uh, If, because that's what happened with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, when they did the deal with him, which was two years ago now? Sounds right, yeah, after the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl win two after years ago? After the Super Bowl win? If it well, was, no, it was the Niners. Yeah, so it was, yeah, two years. If it was okay. after the Super Bowl Two off-seasons, yep, yep. Okay, two off-seasons. So it's only been one season? Well, maybe three off-seasons okay. now if you count this I, year. I guess, yes. I guess my point is this. I think I think they've played with two years of Patrick Mahomes. So you, you work in that last year of his rookie deal where you give him a big signing bonus, but it's still low enough where his cap number's low. And then the first year of the extension was – they had a low cap number. Now that jumps like a mother this year. But again, and I know I've made this point multiple times, Patrick Mahomes had a lower cap number last year than Kyler Murray did. So, wow. You can you can if you give him the deal the, the thing is is you have you have He Ky- got he got the deal July of 2020. Okay, so he's only played one year. No, it, two so he's played two seasons with it. So, it basically bought them an extra year. 
So, like, if you gave Kyler the deal now, you could probably work it where he has a pretty low cap number this year and probably a fairly decently low cap number next year. Now, again, it all depends on the – I mean, part of the reason Mahomes was able to have such low cap numbers early is because he signed a 10-year deal. You know, if if Kyler Murray is pushing for a shorter deal, a significantly right. shorter deal, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't, so he can go right back to the table, it's going to be a lot harder to make his number be low. And who knows? Maybe that's all part of this this thing. He should have a low number this year. But if if he doesn't get the extension this year, right now his and you and you invoke his fifth year option, his fifth year option is twenty nine million dollars. Now that's still lower than most big time quarterbacks, but that's still not a low cap number. Um, so it's going to jump next year probably regardless. Uh, and you can again work with it, but again, that's 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 why you do all these things. That's why you have longer uh, contracts, and that's you know again, that's the things that that have to be figured out. But they have them on a fairly low cap number this year, and that's not changing. So you 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 have the ability to do that. Okay, he's on his rookie deal, but the thing is, is they've got a lot of other guys they're already paying because he was on his rookie deal. So it's not like they got a lot of room, right? And once again, a number of the existing guys in the core, their numbers have really ballooned this year. DeAndre Hopkins, for example, goes from 12.5 to over 25 million on the cap. J.J. Watt was 4.9 a year ago, 15.9 this season. When you talk about the cap, Jordan Phillips, 13 million dollars right now under the cap. That's glaring. You figure that's going to be addressed, do you, you not, would, Darren? You would hope. The problem with Jordan Phillips is, is like you're going to carry some dead money if you cut them, but you still would save a lot if you cut them and, and you're running out of time to restructure him. And who knows, maybe the hope would be if you kept him, hey, the last time he was on the last year of his deal when he was playing for a contract, he balled out. And maybe that's what you might be hoping for. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that might tur- turn out to you. Kyler Murray's cap number this year is only $11 million. So, yeah, as of right now, he's got a super low cap number considering. Buda Baker goes from basically eight to fifteen, and then Rodney Hudson goes from three to twelve and a half. So you know, some serious jumps from some of the core players on this team that you know, you have to account for. And obviously, it's gonna, it's gonna, and and they they made those moves and they knew those in context of having a quarterback on a rookie contract. So yeah, and then of course the media rights deals are going to kick in over the next 2-3 years. So when NFL salary cap that's at 208 million plus right now is by most projections going to be close to 300 million another 2 years from now. And and if that works out that way, then then you're in good shape. But the thing is is and Steve I was talking to Steve Kime about this a few weeks ago. The, the issue you have about the cap is you don't know what – I mean, <clears throat> it was supposed to keep jumping, and then COVID happened. True. And, and then that yeah. just messed everything up. So um, you don't – you can kind of guess what it's supposed to do and where it's supposed to go, but you, you're never 100% sure. And it's not like there's verbiage in these contracts where if things go to hell, uh, teams are off the hook. So – yeah, you got to figure that out. By the way, speaking, going back to Justin Pugh, if the Cardinals would have released Justin Pugh, their starting left guard, they would have gotten all but $2 million of that money back, according to reports. But it would have opened up a hole at left guard. 
and Justin Pugh went healthy, played pretty darn well last year by most accounts. In yeah. fact, I was giving Justin a you know hard time because you know he's always talking, he's always bagging on the pro football focus folks. Right? How do they know anything about what my assignment is in offensive line? How can they grade me? Well, he was one of the highest graded pass blockers in the NFL at left guard last year. I'm like, so Justin, where's the rant against pro football focus these days? You know, kind of give him a hard time about that. But he's now set, according to reports, to make a guaranteed salary of five and a half million, another one point five available in incentives, and that's very doable for a reliable, above average starting guard in the NFL, correct? At that point, at that number, that's well bought by the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion. I agree. And and I don't think he had any guaranteed money in this last year of his deal, so he makes sure he's going to be around. So. Look, that's – in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to be the one to say that's not a lot of money and tell them all that and every the player's business. But the fact that these players – we've mentioned Devon Kennard restructuring his deal, Justin Pugh, there's a lot of players around the league who – understandably so, are not willing to restructure a deal for cap space and do all of that. So I do think it's worth noting, like, this is – that's big team player stuff, willing no, to, to, to do that I, I and create agree. cap space so that you can get weapons and, and help your team out a little bit. Well, let, and I just want to clarify because this is one of my pet peeves. That you I'm so sorry. Oh, no, what go. did I do? I know, oh, I know, no. I know what's coming. Okay, when you restructure a deal, that means you're getting all your money. You're just getting in it a, a different, different way. way. Right, with if the cap space. If you take a pay cut – you take a pay cut, okay? So what Devon Kennard and Justin Pugh did, which is nothing wrong with it, they were basically given, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing the thought process was like, we can't have you at this cap number. This is what we're willing to give you. You can take what we're willing to give you or you can be a free agent and be on the open market. And both of them decided for whatever reasons they had that it was worth not going out on the open market and it was worth doing what they did. But in terms of what it's called, to me, restructuring literally means you're getting all the money. Restructuring is if you take your in different ways, signing bonus and all that. Kind yeah, of you're stuff. taking your signing, but you're turning salary into signing right. bonus or whatever. Uh, that's different to me because if you restructure, the player's still getting every money, all the money that he was originally promised. So I thought Justin Pete, but I thought the numbers, unless I was reading the, one of the reports wrong, I thought it was like a million less though. What was right. a million less for the restructuring? So when I that's so what I thought. he was originally supposed to make a little over eight million in salary this year, plus a one million dollar roster bonus coming fairly soon, I think. Now he's making five and a half million in salary with one and a half in incentives, which he obviously has a chance of not getting. So it's less. He's getting less money than he was originally supposed to get. Now again, none of that was guaranteed uh, which is why the roster bonus was where it was and that's why guys have roster bonuses in place is because it forces a team to make a decision about a contract um but uh and i and i again i agree i think justin Pugh had a good year last year and i i think it would have hurt them to lose him and i and going back to your original point i do think they both deserve props for being willing to do this. Now, they have reasons, and who knows? Maybe Justin Pugh felt like, I don't know if I'm getting this amount of money on the open market. I don't know. Or maybe I just love living here, and my my significant other loves living here. Devon Kennard is from here. But they deserve credit for being willing to do that because that is being a, a team player when the team is asking you to take less money than they had originally promised you. And I absolutely believe in if they had – said, no, no, I'm not doing that. They had every right to do that. 
and I, I've felt that strongly about that for a long time. By the way, reports just coming down. Brandon Scherf, the uh, Pro Bowl right guard for the Washington Commanders, there we go, uh, is intending to sign with the Jaguars. So he'd been franchise tag each of the last two years. He was the premier guard on the free agent market and was ranked in the top 15 free agents overall, about 30 years of age. So, boom, he's going to get big money. No reports yet on exactly the dollar signs. But, yeah, that's – so, once again, yet another reason – that it was imperative to get a Justin Pugh, get that deal done. It's well bought at that number for the Arizona Cardinals. And then if and when something materializes at right guard for the Cardinals, there's another veteran. Uh, you know what was interesting was last year, Brian Winters quit the team, left uh, ostensibly in a huff, I don't know, after week six, whatever it was, yeah. and for whatever the reasons were, we'll never know. But <laughs> look at – it wasn't soon after he left. He could have played a prominent role. He yeah. might have got all the playing time he desired to hit all those incentives that maybe he thought he needed to earn to make it worthwhile to play in the NFL, and he bolted. And then not long after, he could have finished out the season as the starting right guard for all we knew. So who knows what's going to materialize uh, here in, in the offseason exactly. Max Williams, speaking of blocking, can I get a word on Max Williams? And does anyone have an expectation? How do you value a Max Williams who's having an unbelievable season, but in week five, he goes down, season-ending knee injury. You know, he's that two-way tight end. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It Now that you have Zach Ertz to sign the line that is dotted, if you can go ahead and you can get a Max Williams, that's one thing no other team in the division has, a one-two punch at tight end. Yeah, they got George Kittle in San Francisco, and they got Tyler Higby with the Rams. I think he's a free agent, by the well, by the way, and he's coming off injury as well. But to have those two tight ends in a two tight end set with a James Conner, I mean, I, I'm envisioning Ron Wolfley in a three point stance right now at that personnel group. Right? You go out there and and you have two tight ends with a James Conner at at running back. I, I would look forward to that, and I'm guessing based on some of the tweets from Max Williams, he would look forward to coming back to the Cardinals. And he's more of that blocker blocking tight end and Zach Ertz is I agree it it is hard because Max Williams was off to such a great start you know had he not gotten injured Cardinals probably would not have traded for Zach Ertz and and now they've told you know Zach Ertz is is here for the next three years but I think you just have to look at the growth overall and then look at those five games that Max Williams played and he got high praise from Cliff Kingsbury and the coaching staff throughout those games and you have to – I don't know, I guess, how early a deal would come for Max at this point coming off an injury. I mean, do, do you expect that would be something that would be, Darren, at the top of free agency, or is that something you kind of wait and, and gauge his rehab? Well, I mean, I would think at this point if he's – it would depend on what kind of deal it was going to be. But if if he understands he's going to have to, like, rehab himself to get a better contract because he's coming off a major injury – uh, and he likes it here and all that stuff. I mean, I've you as you say at the top of free agency, where for a guy like Max Williams, the situation he's in and already being here, that to me is at the end of right. your own guys rather than you at the top of free before, agency. Right. So um, I would say this: uh, I if if he does not sign before like Wednesday. I would think maybe it takes a little time because maybe he's going to wait to see what else is out there. Uh, but I'm not closing the door. I mean, I know all this news is coming out of got guys going to other teams in this negotiating, but you can't sign yet, period, uh, or actually agree to deals. I, I think the actual uh, 
rules say that you're uh, you're not supposed to even agree to a deal at this point. So it's kind of interesting on all this. But um, I, yeah. I, I still think there's that window until we get to Wednesday where the Cardinals are going to sign a, another guy or two, maybe as these guys kind of see what their market could or may not be. So Say it again. Technically, according to the rules – here on the opening of the, quote, negotiating window on Monday, March 14th, you're, you're not even really supposed to have a structured deal because look at how intricate and complex some of these deals are that have already been reported. So by, by rule, obviously nobody's following that rule. I, I, I read this somewhere. By rule, the, an outline of a contract can be discussed, but none can be offered, and no players can make new visits, <laughs> can make visits to a new team. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So – but uh, see, the thing is, is every if every team's doing it, I mean, you're only policing right. policing yourselves. Okay, as we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Underground, I'm looking at the list of Cardinals' potential free agents here uh, on the unrestricted list. Twenty one of them, Colt McCoy. Twenty. Twenty now. Zach Ertz resigned. Or actually, nineteen. Nineteen. James Conner. Correct. Uh, Colt McCoy. Have we seen anything? Nothing. Anywhere on Colt McCoy? Nothing. Interesting. That's an interesting. I I don't know which side that's on of if they've been talking if someone has interest if someone doesn't if you would have asked me at the very beginning of free agency when the Cardinals could have signed any of their pending free agents He'd be I would have thought he would have been one of the top one that would have been my preference so well, uh, this is interesting to me I don't, I don't know I haven't seen any other reports anywhere about you never him know. although I will say this and I did enjoy JJ Watts tweet earlier today um, he made the point that if a player and a team want to keep something secret, they can keep it secret. Um, you know, if, I don't know who Colt's agent is, but if Colt says, I don't want you telling anybody anything, then you don't tell them anything. That's a good point. You know? And so um, that doesn't mean Colt McCoy isn't talking to the Cardinals or even talking to other places. Maybe that he just wants to make sure his business ain't all out there. I respect that. Andy Lee and Aaron Brewer. Uh, two of your specialists, your punter and your long snapper. I mean, if they were coming back, wouldn't that be done sooner than later? But if they're not around, I mean, uh, let's let's look at it this way: the two uh, the two deals that have been announced, um, would they have been announced necessarily if they hadn't been leaked? I mean, they were agreed. Aaron Brewer. Or Andy Lee, if they're coming back, and I would definitely expect Aaron Brewer to be back, and I would think Andy Lee would come back. Um, you know, you're not going to – I don't know if that's big news for anybody. They're not here, so they can't sign the deal, and I don't know if you're doing agreed to terms with him or not. I, I don't know. Yep. I, I, again, I think you don't want to jump to too many conclusions with when the team decides to put out news if a guy is resigning. I mean, let's face it, guys. At this point, the Cardinals still haven't – announced their new defensive line coach who's been here for like six weeks uh, that's right so that's right you had lunch with him the other day <laughs> yeah uh no i made that up uh actually i saw him in the lunch line yeah. i did see him in the lunch yeah line. i did too so uh what's funny is and maybe this is a good place to leave it you know this this whole jj watt uh tweet that came out on the day that the free agent negotiating window opened Unless anyone has anything else to uh, add, maybe we'll just wrap it up with the J.J. Watt tweet that reads, and I quote, what I learned in free agency last year, colon, rumors, sources, and reports can be comically far off base and at times have literally 
zero truth. There don't have to be leaks. If a team slash player wants to keep things quiet, they can. And then in parentheses, and by the way, don't ever trust a Peloton bio as a source of news. J.J. Yes. Watt, who then added a little bit later in, in, a, in a thread, the passion that fan bases have is incredible, and it can switch from love to hate real quick. Real is in caps. If you don't pick their team, sometimes players tweet random stuff when they're bored just to see how creative people get. The whole process is fascinating, tweets J.J. Watt. And maybe we'll leave it there on this uh, free agency edition to start off the week. Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.